Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Okay, so all that being said, um, let's hop in to this story on the walk to Emmaus. It's a beautiful story. Like I said, it's two followers of Jesus. The very first Easter Sunday, the resurrected Jesus, the tomb is empty. They don't fully understand everything that's going on. He comes and walks alongside of them. This has captured the imagination of Christ's followers for centuries and for millennia. In fact, it's captured the artistic imagination of a lot of Christ's followers. Here's um, the famous Rembrandt painting of the walk to Emmaus. Particularly when they realized it was Jesus at the very end of their walk. They had a seven-mile journey that Jesus revealed. They, you'll, we're going to read about it in a minute. Anyway, there's Jesus being revealed to them in the breaking of bread. Which I prefer Jesus, the Jesus of the TV series, The Chosen. This Jesus kind of has his head tilted, his mouth open, and just kind of looks weird. Um, but still a beautiful painting from Rembrandt. And uh, my favorite painting of the walk to Emmaus is the one that was done by um, just a beautiful human being from our West Palm Beach campus. This is uh, Mr. Bill Gaylor's painting of the walk to Emmaus that's hanging up at one of the chapels at the West Palm Beach campus. Mr. Gaylor, if you're watching right now, we love you and we honor you. Thanks for blessing our community. So this has been capturing the minds and the hearts and the imagination of Christ followers for millennia. The interesting thing about the walk to Emmaus is that the city of Emmaus, you can't go visit there today. You can't go there. It was a little village, and it's been lost to antiquity. Not every little village endures for millennia. We don't know where it was at all. There's all sorts of other places you can go in Israel today and see archaeological finds. We have no clue where Emmaus was. So um, my mom and dad, they actually went to Israel this past fall, and they took lots of pictures. And so we don't know what road these disciples took to get to Emmaus, but we know what the roads could have looked like. So here's some pictures from my mom and dad. This is maybe one path here. It could have looked like this. It could have like this path here coming out of Jerusalem. This is um, a pathway through Gethsemane. The rope could have looked like that. We don't know. We don't know. But I just want you, I want to capture your minds and your hearts and really place you in the story today. We're not here to learn religious information. We're here to experience what they experienced. In fact, the story identifies two disciples. One's named Cleopas and the other's unnamed. Some scholars believe that Luke did not identify the second disciple because he wants you to identify yourself as on the journey and on the road with Jesus. Okay, so all that being said, let's dive in. Um, If you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? We've been doing this over the past couple weeks. Now, we're not going to read this passage in its entirety every single week. But since this is week two, we're going to read it in its entirety, at least for today. We'll see how it goes through the rest of the series. This is Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35. Now, keeping in mind all those pictures you just saw, keeping in mind the road that you just saw, use your imagination. Place yourself in this story as I read it for us and over us. It says here, on the same, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, 
about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the the things that have happened there these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, he replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. See, it's past tense. He was a prophet. Didn't know he was walking right with him. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who's going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish are you? And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, no, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has appeared, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So last week when Pastor Dale kicked off our series, what we're talking about is this fascinating idea of that Jesus was kept from being recognized by these people. What does that say about a God who temporarily hides himself in his activity in our lives? That God sometimes works in mysterious and hidden ways. I wish it was the other way around, don't you? I wish all the time it was like the road to Damascus with the Apostle Paul. There's a blinding light, a booming voice, and Jesus going, It's me, dummy, I'm Jesus. But instead here, the same Jesus who appears in blinding light to people, the same resurrected Jesus, the same one is just walking and talking with people and they don't even realize it's him. Same God. So Dale told us last week that we want God in the big. God does do big things, but he's often in the small. And we like to move fast. We want God to move fast. And God does move fast sometimes, but God, more often than not, moves slow. Kind of like at the pace of walking. 
and that we want God in the destination and on the mountaintop and in the success and the thing that we were hoping for all along. But really, the truth is that Jesus is in the journey too. And if you have eyes to see the hidden, ordinary ways that God is moving in your life, you will grow your faith. And you just might grow your faith this Lenten season. And so we find in this story, Jesus is coming and walking next to them. What if Jesus is walking with you right now and what you came in here with what you're facing and you don't even realize it yet. This should be comforting to anybody who came in here going, I'm going through some stuff and I don't feel God at all. It's okay. The prerequisite isn't to realize he's with you. They didn't realize it. And you might not yet either. And maybe over this Lenten season, Jesus is going to open our eyes to show us where he's with us in the stuff. Anybody got stuff going on? Yeah. Let's talk about that. People are facing all sorts of things these days. Um, more and more data keeps coming out about how people in our society are facing record levels of pain and sorrow and hurt. The Pew Research Forum uh, just came out with data this week uh, that post-COVID, over 2020 through the fall of 2022, uh, 41% of Americans say they have struggled with some sort of psychological duress. Which means, like, have you felt more anxious than normal? Do you have trouble sleeping? Are you experiencing loneliness on a way stronger level than you normally had before? 41% of American adults go, yeah, I'm struggling way more. And maybe you are too. One third of all U.S. high schoolers say they struggle with mental health. The number one concern of parents in the United States for their kids, when I was growing up, it was keep them off drugs. Parents' number one concern this day is their kids' mental health. People are going through stuff. People are facing tough things. People are facing hurt that they're dealing with and pain. Now, not everybody who walked in today and is online is struggling with massive mental health. I know that's not true. That's not true. I know some of us are, but not all of us. But here's what I know all of us can identify with. Here's a famous quote from a guy named Ian McClellan. And he says, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Every person you're going to run into, you don't know their secret struggles. And everybody's got a struggle they're facing. Right? Yeah. Um, I grew up watching, um, well, not necessarily watching, I grew up loving and listening to stand-up comedy. Anybody else here love stand-up comedy? I'm a stand-up junkie. I just really am. And uh, my favorite comedian was my, the first one I listened to growing up in my parents' 1990 brown Ford Aerostar, baby. Oh, yeah. Tape cassette deck, and boom. And we wore out the tape cassette deck of good old Mr. Jeff Foxworthy and how you might be redneck if, right? Come on, classic stuff. Well, um, I saw on social media this past week Jeff Foxworthy sharing a video, and it wasn't a stand-up bit. Um, did you know Jeff Foxworthy is a devoted Christ follower? 
Did you know that, that he had found faith in Christ as an adult? And, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, he was talking about growing up in Atlanta, and before Chick-fil-A took over the whole world, he actually grew up around the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy. He was in his community that he grew up in. He grew up knowing the man before he became a living legend. One time, Truett Cathy was talking with Jeff Foxworthy while I was growing up, and Truett said to him, Jeff, do you want to know how to spot if somebody needs encouragement around you? And Jeff went, no, Mr. Kathy, no. How, how do you do that? He said, you want to know how to identify somebody needs to be encouraged? If they're breathing, they need encouragement. Y'all be kind. Everyone is fighting some battle, right? Each one of us, to varying degrees, is facing some tough stuff. It's some tough stuff that causes us pain and hurt because we live in a broken world. And Jesus has a word for you today, especially if you came in here hurting today. Where is Jesus walking with me when I'm hurting? Well, if we're going to, let's focus in on verses 17 and 18 just for now. We're just going to take this, this passage chunk by chunk over the next several weeks. This is our little chunk for today. Jesus asked them, excuse me, Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? Isn't that annoying? Don't you hate it when you're having a very private conversation about hard things and some idiot walks up to you and goes, what you talking about, huh? (laughs) I'm usually the awkward idiot who accidentally steps into it. That's, That's my play. That's who I am. And so here goes Jesus and pokes at the thing and hits the nerve And of course he does. He knows exactly what he's doing. So he asks them, hey, what are you guys talking about? Now notice here, they're walking. He says, as you walk along, they're walking. The three of them are walking. It's the walk to miss. They're walking, 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 walking. And then after he asked this question, they stood still. They're walking and he asks it and they... (sighs) They stop right in their tracks. Fascinating. And then their faces became downcast. The word downcast in Greek means um, that they began to look sad. I mean, Jesus totally hit the nerve of the thing with them that they were struggling with. And so this passage really teaches us here, we can learn from them how we walk when we're hurting, and what does Jesus want to do with us when we hurt too? Now, I know there's varying degrees of sadness and pain and hurt in here. Some of you, I know for sure, and some of you are streaming online, I know for sure you're going through really hard things. This is for you today. And maybe life is really good for you. Great. At one point, it is going to get hard. And you're going to need to file this away for the future. So this is for everybody. So how does Jesus walk with us when we hurt? Well, first, we'd see here from the passage that Jesus is already present with them. And he's already present with you. He's already present with me. He already knew that they were hurting. He already knew who they were. He already knew the answer to the question that he asked. He was already present walking with them in their pain right next to them. And they didn't even get it yet. 
Yet is the big word there. So I hear from people all the time going, where is God when I'm hurting? Where is God in my pain? Where is God in my depression? Where is God in my grief? Where is God in my sorrow? Where is God right now when my life is a living hell? He's right next to you. He's right next to you. It's okay if you don't feel him right now. It's okay. But I promise you, I bet my life on it and Jesus bet his life on it. He is right next to you in your pain and in your suffering. And he's not just walking with you going, oh, look, I'm physically next to you. He's next to you having compassion on you. Weeping when you weep. Hurting when you hurt. To have compassion means that you have genuine care and affection for what somebody is going through. And scripture says, as one of the key identifiers, for who is the God of the Bible? Who is the creator God of the universe? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Moses and the Exodus and the Israelites and the God of David and the God of Father of our Lord Jesus. Who is he? He's the God of compassion from beginning to end. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 56. This is from the message paraphrase. And listen how it talks about how God feels about your pain. It says here, you've kept track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. Each tear you have ever cried, God has written in his ledger. Because your pain is precious to him. And he grieves when you grieve. Each ache written in your book. I can't picture an image of somebody who cares more about your heart than God. So where is Jesus right now if you're going through some stuff? He's closer than you know. Now I... When I'm going through stuff, that's super comforting to me to not just with my mind, but in my heart realize that Jesus is right here. But sometimes I need more than just compassion. When I'm hurting, I don't need somebody to just sit next to me and cry. I'm like, God, do something. And so we see it here. Not only is Jesus already present with him, Jesus' posture, his posture for human pain isn't to be a bystander. His posture for human suffering is to enter into it with you. He asks the annoying question, what are you guys talking about? Because he knows the answer he's going to get. And he wants to talk with them about their disappointment and their disillusionment and their grief. He's not okay just being a bystander. He wants to enter into the pain. When I was training to be a pastor in Kentucky, um, I had to go through what's called CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. Pastor Dale has talked about this experience too, where you have to spend a whole summer being a rookie chaplain at a hospital so you learn how to do that part of being a pastor. And um, it was enlightening, but it was very, very um, difficult. Um, I did all sorts of stuff. 
um, you know, anything from paperwork to learning to whatever, but the real things where I was practicing being a pastor with people as they're going through stuff, I was assigned the bottom floor of the hospital and the top floor of the hospital. The bottom floor was the emergency room. And the top floor was the oncology ward. And for the entire summer of 2013, my 50 plus hours a week at that hospital were either sitting with people in immediate crisis on the worst day of their life in the emergency room or walking with people through a long road of suffering and cancer treatments and radiation and chemotherapy and palliative care and hospice. Um, I just touched pain every single day for a whole summer. And I had a wonderful chaplain mentor, his, a guy named Dow. Um, that's right, his name was Dow, like cow, but with a D. And um, Dow taught me how to be a chaplain in the power of the Holy Spirit. So grateful for him. And he taught me not only how to pray for people, he taught me, he's like, when you're listening to people, Trevor, watch them, pay attention to them. If you want to be a good chaplain, do what Jesus does. Trevor, follow the pain. Which means if I was in a room with a family around the bedside of a loved one who's dying, and I'm listening to them, just don't go and say a prayer. All right, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Okay, we're done. Obviously, be kind, be warm, but listen to these people. If you see them get choked up, even just a little. If you see their eyes get moist and a single tear come out. If they're angry and they say one thing, but they're frustrated, but they just shut it down for a minute, step into it and go further with them. Hey, about that moment right there. Do you want to talk about those tears that you have? You sound angry. Let's talk about that. To step into, follow people's pain and step into it with them. This is the posture of Jesus with you. He not only wants to be compassionate towards you, he wants to bring you comfort by entering into your pain to minister to it. He wants to touch your pain with his nail-scarred hands. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Anybody got any troubles in their life? He's the God of all comfort who comes come to comfort you in all your troubles. He has compassion on you and wants to step into your pain today to minister to it if you'll let him. So Jesus is already with them. His posture is to enter in, but here's the kicker. But they had to stand still. Jesus could have Asked them that, what are you talking about, guys? And they could have blown him off. They said, oh, nothing. It's none of your business. We don't want to talk with you. You're a stranger. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to feel what I feel when I talk about it, so I'm just not going to talk about it. They stopped. I imagine with their faces downcast that one of them got choked up and teary-eyed. And they began a conversation with Jesus and let him in. And they quit running. And they were honest and began to talk with Jesus about their pain.
And I believe by faith, this is what Jesus is offering to anybody here today or online. If you'll let him in, if you will just stand still with him for a moment and invite him into your pain, I believe he wants to meet you today with his love and his comfort and the healing that only he can bring. I want to pray for people who came in here with brokenness in their hearts and in their lives and for anybody online with that. That's not everybody. We're not going to make it weird. But for those of you who are hurting specifically today, well, if that's you, we're not going to ask, we're not going to embarrass anybody, but just put your hand over your heart so I can see. No one else will see, but I can see. And if you're online, I can't see you, but the Spirit can see you. Jesus sees you, even if I can't. And if you need this, um, let's just pray. Lord, we pray. It's Psalm 143. Jesus, manifest your loving presence and your gentle presence as the God of the brokenhearted right now. The same God who walked beside the two on the road to Emmaus and entered into their pain. Right now, put the broken pieces back together again. Lord, I pray you'd suck the poison out of the wound. I pray that you would manifest divine comfort now. Lord, Holy Spirit, come touch everybody who needs this right now so they would not just um, know it in their mind, but they would feel it in their soul that you're with them. Let them feel your presence right now. And come be the healer that you are. You mended many broken bodies when you were here on earth and you still do that today in your name. But Lord, right now I'm asking you to mend hearts. The broken hearts, hold them with your nail-scarred hands right now and heal in your name. And Lord, for the rest of us and for all of us, we declare now the theme verse of our church is our benediction, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of peace, or may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.